Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Military and Veteran Podcast. I am your host, Adam Gillard. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by the El Paso County Colorado Progressive Veterans. We're a group of around 1,460 members right now. Uh, We're just vets helping vets, and we try to do whatever we can. So if you have any questions, you can reach us at info at epccpv.org. You can check out our website at epccpv.org too. Uh, one way we like to reach out to vets is through this podcast. And uh, if you were fortunate enough to catch last week's episode, uh, I spoke with uh, my friend Gabe about his experience growing up in a uh, white white supremacist household. Um, this week, you know, we kind of leave that behind and start trying to focus on a more positive uh, future and things like that and you know where he wants to go in the future um so take a listen it's another long one so strap in grab some water uh and i will catch you on the other side take care that's recording yeah so we are recording again try to keep a closer eye on it so so we left off last time and kind of talking about where your experience growing up with uh, uh, August was how you pronounce that? August Christ. Christ. Um, and I think a, a funny thing because you know I did a little research on him, see where, where he's at now. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't look him up for a while. Yeah. Because after I got after I got was gone, I was like, oh, fuck that, I don't give right. a shit. Right. Yeah. Find out he's in federal penitentiary in Virginia or something for raping his kids. Yeah. For. Like, it was, it was uh, horrific. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a few counts too. Yeah. Right? Like, like. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh... I. And you know, we always had our suspicions, and I feel bad that. I mean, there wasn't much I could do at the that age. But right. Looking back. Yeah, there was definitely some signs of it even then. But yeah, he. It is funny, and, and I hope one day I can go up and be like, you know what? My my ultimate like. Bucket list dream of if he's still alive. I don't even know if he's still alive probably is is to go up to him and be like you know what the current movement that's destroying your right wing plans yeah I had a hand in it yeah that would be cool I want to visit him one day and tell him yeah yeah look him right in the eye yeah yeah that would be uh, that would be something but yeah where he's at now (laughs) good fuck yeah good yeah yeah and you know they they charged him for a couple ones but it's scary to think of Somebody that powerful, like how long did that shit go on? And like went how, on for a long time. Like how many people were victims of that? It's like he that would, Sandusky trial, I, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody in power and that's trusted, like. Yeah. Uh, that's sad. I'm still a Penn State fan, but that <laughs> did take a lot out of us. Oh yeah, yeah. Took a lot out of us. I, I didn't even draw the correlation that you you would be a Penn oh, State. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, you're familiar with the trial? Very, very <laughs> familiar. And again, Paterno, that. But Joe Paterno was a god. Right. He was an idol to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck him. Right. Yeah, to let that shit go on. Like. And again, that's a good person that everyone looks at. But the, behind that mask, yeah, it's a scary, dark world. Right. Because if you threaten somebody's power... Oh, yeah. You know, they will cover anything up, you, you know? We've seen it. Yeah. Their actions prove that. Yeah. Sandusky, Paterno, uh, August Christ for decades... Because when I knew him, he wasn't, uh, when we had met him in the mid-90s, he wasn't a leader, 
per se anymore. He was a retired Aryan Nations leader. Mm -hmm. Um, But he still had a ton of power. But he'd been in power for decades. Right. Like, actual... And it was scary. There was a... uh, I think he was on... um, Oh, shit. He was on the... uh, One of those shows. The crazy... Like, he brings in a bunch of stuff. Uh, (sighs) They usually get in fistfights. On stage. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Yes, he was yes, on he that. He was on Jerry Springer. I, I, I do remember seeing that on the Wikipedia page too. About him. It was something. I think it was that was before we met him, I believe. And he was very anti-Semitic, I think. And mm-hmm. Springer, I believe, was a Jew. Yeah. Yep. And it was something like that. I barely got through like two minutes of watching. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Y- shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got ended up getting kicked off. And, yeah. And like incited some violence, like against Springer and everything. And but that was who he was then for yeah. decades. With a lot more power. And so it's nice to see that, yeah, once he went into the federal penitentiary and all that, he, he lost a lot. Right. But the damage was already done. Right. Yeah. It, and that his message is still out there. It is. And, and we're seeing getting stronger. Mm-hmm. But that leads me, I mean, kind of where I want to go with the messaging of this whole thing. You know, it's scary. It's overwhelming. It's dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot more darkness that no one will ever know. Like those memories don't ever deserve to live. Right. And they won't. But where do we go from here? As a nation, shitty, uh, as a nation, where do we go? Do we allow this to keep happening? Do we allow the bullying to continue? Do we let that message to continue to permeate within our government? Mm-hmm. The answer is no, but what do we do? Right. <laughs> it's overwhelming because we've lost. Yeah. It's a hard fight now. Yeah. Because we lost. Yeah, yeah, we're behind the curve on the information war. Yes. Yes, we are. And and there's so much uh, fake news and, like, uh, exaggerated news on the conservative side specifically. Specifically. But you can catch it more on the center and left a lot. And it's turned me off to a lot. Yeah, yeah. If you're reading stuff, like when I read, I, that's why I like Reuters. Reuters is really yes. good for like they'll mm-hmm. tell you the news and kind of just shut up. Yeah. But then when you start going back to CNN and NBC and Fox, you'll start you so you know the the super radical left or the super radical right, and like they'll say things like that. And there's like, no, this is just this is yeah. yeah they focus on is, the wrong issues. Is it Americans? When when they say radical left, I guess I'm a radical left wing. Yeah. Whatever. I'm radical. Sure. Wild and crazy. Wild and crazy. (laughs) But I'm not. I am as close to an untouchable as you can get. I don't don't know if we were recording when I talked about the movie Untouchables. Oh, no. No, we weren't. Okay, so the the movie Untouchables with Kevin Costner and Mm -hmm. Sean Connery. Amazing movie. But Elliot Ness built his team on not being able to be bought. Mm -hmm. You were unbuyable. You could not be bought. You could not be bribed. And we see that in the movie the whole time. And that was historical fact, too. Right. With Hollywood embellishments. But that was the whole story. Right. You said that's how the Capone charges got stuck was because of that reputation. The tax evasion, you know, let alone, you know, all the crimes and everything he was doing, the criminal organizations, they couldn't get him on. Mm -hmm. Because he'd already bought all the... He bought everybody in Chicago. He bought everybody in the justice system in New Orleans. He bought all of them. So when the Untouchables came in and they got him on federal tax evasion, that stuck because they were not bought. And what they brought to the table was honest truth 
in their words mm -hmm. and their actions. Yeah. And that's what brought them down. I don't have a stock portfolio. <laughs> I live on my disability of retirement. I don't mm -hmm. want more money. Right. We need more people like that. Yeah, running for office. And running for office. We need to... Making that, decisions that for folks. Ultimately is how I see politics needing to go mm -hmm. if we want to have a chance. Right. The boomer generations, it, it's going, it's it's fading. Right. And those are really the last strongholds of Republican uh, voting strength right. is that older generation. Well, and that's why they're so scared, too. You mm -hmm. know, and that's why they're pushing more and more hate. Yes. And, and you know, unfortunately, they use that... Even us saying stuff like that, they use that against the young Republicans that are out there. Yes. Like, they're, they're, you know, the fighting age guys. Mm -hmm. And so they alienate them, or they make them feel alienated when that's not the point at all. Like, but that was the, that's what right-wing, uh, like, cult, the, the neo-Nazis, that was their training and their their uh, way to keep people in, in the 90s. It, it is the same thing. You isolate them. Now it's just easier with social media to create an echo chamber mm -hmm. of whatever you want. Right. So we, and you can see that on the left wing too. You get your left wing guys that are out of touch with everything because they're in their own echo chamber right. and get nothing but yeah. just one side. And I'm not saying that we need to give conservatives or, you know, the, the blatantly corrupt GOP members or supporters I'm not saying we need to give them a voice because we know they're wrong yeah. your, your opinion's wrong and you've proven it actively hurts and kills people I don't care but we still need to make sure we have a different perspective on people that do vote for that mm -hmm. and how we can educate them or at least guide them to empathy and humanity how would you do like, what would be your suggestion for trying to get people you know, in you know, in a red community mm -hmm. like we live in, sure. How would you go about trying to talk to them and get them to, you know, listen, sure, and understand your point of view? So, honestly, GOP or red, white or red, blue, it doesn't matter. What people want to see when there's someone standing in front of them is that they can trust them. Mm -hmm. And I, again, the people that don't want to trust anybody and the, the pure ultra right wing, I, I don't care. You're never going to change their minds. They're not looking for anything other than their own echoes. Right. The independents, which, like you were mentioned, are the, they're the biggest voter group of anybody. Right. How do you reach them? Well, when you're up in front of them, they, they need and they look for someone that's telling the truth. Hmm. You turn them off when you can, when they can tell you are just another face of the same coin. Accountability and transparency are the most important parts of taking anybody's trust. Because mm -hmm. essentially, they're looking to trust you and put their trust in you to do your job for them. Right. In order to do that, you have to make sure accountability is never broken. Integrity is never uh, violated your transparency into what you're doing, how you're spending money, how you're, what you're doing, what you're saying, that you're not trying to retract tweets and hide what you're doing. Mm -hmm. When you can do that and speak openly and honestly about actual issues, 
not culture wars, not, you know, who said this in Washington, who, said, who cares? The everyday person, the independent voter, or red, blue, doesn't matter. All they want is that they're heard and that their issues are going to be addressed, not addressed so you, I re-elect you and then you go on to talk about culture wars. Yeah. And left, right, doesn't matter. We see it on both sides. Who cares? And the way I would talk to people and try to build that, that rapport with them first, obviously, is to show them who I am. I'm just like them. I don't have a portfolio. Yeah. I don't have savings accounts you've never heard of. I don't go to banks out overseas. You want to see my Capital One account? Fine. <laughs> I have nothing to hide yeah. in my life. And the more you show that and the more you're open, they can prove what you're saying, that your words mirror your actions. And your actions are geared towards them regardless of who they are and what external forces are going on. Yeah. If you can stay focused and they see you're one of them and you have their best interests in mind, you're not just another corporate suit going for the Democratic Party. Yeah. They will eventually begin to trust you to a point that they allow you to and they give you that trust to take care of the more personal issues in their life. Mm-hmm. Like the social issues that no one wants to talk about. Right. They'll trust you more with that. When you show that your integrity is in the spotlight because you're accountable and transparent to everything. Yeah. Like you said, that, that can't be bought mentality. You right. Know, like, and we're so used to seeing, oh, great, you're running. Yeah, well, I guess who's going to own you now? Right. You, we have to get past that. Yeah. And those Americans are out there. There's a few. On both sides of the aisle, I think there's a few that don't take money from super PACs. Sure. And, and stuff like that, which I think is admirable. That for, is. For, I, for whoever does that. Oh, absolutely. Because, again, we're at some point... At some point, we're going to have to realize that the future is here, regardless right. of what it is. Yeah. What do we want that to look like? Do we want it to look like this constant fighting and strife and right. bloodshed and absolute violence? Is yeah. that what we want? want leave that behind for your kids? Like. Right. So if we don't want that, what does a good country look like? A safe country for our kids? What does that look like? Right. Well, we're going to have to come together. Yeah. At some point, we're going to have to rise up as Americans against fascism. And that is that is what we are fighting against. Just in a prettier package. Right. So so with you know a lot of these unaffiliated voters though, mm-hmm. like they consider themselves libertarians, right? Uh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not I, talking I, about that. <laughs> like cuz I I I think it makes a lot of sense to not want the government in your business. Oh, absolutely. But when you're living in a society with this many people, in this area with this many people, like, you need it, and the government's there to help people. And, but but it's hard to get them to, like, want to pay for anything, you know, because so, they got their libertarian, like, I don't use it, I don't want to, you know, pay for it. Mine. So that that is the big issue we're going to have to come up against, yeah. is introducing socialism. Yeah. Like, not, obviously, the... You get it. Right, right. Well, well, we are already a mostly socialist nation. Well, also, we have people need to understand that 
socialism isn't communism. It, it's on the spectrum, and, and if you allow yes. it to go unchecked, it will go there. So it's capitalism. Exactly. Because capitalism will always go to fascism. Go to fascism. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you need to be, you need to have checks and balances. You need entrepreneurs and that spirit. Precisely. And, like, you need to encourage that. But at the same point, they need you have to have a to- social network, a social safety net. So that way, corporate profits don't become more important than your life or the nebulous right. of lives around you. Right. And, and these corporations, they would benefit from too, just having happier, more content workers. You know, like, everybody changes jobs like every two years now, I think is the average. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, back in the good old days, you know, it was people would ride out a job for 20, 30 years. Well, yeah, but it's not economical now. I don't know. You know, take care of people. Oof, who needs that? Right. But I've been corporate before with yeah. risk management up pretty high in, in the casino industry. I have zero faith or illusion in corporate anything. <laughs> you want to know the true dark part of that? I can give you that. But that aside, it's still reality. Like, that's not going to go away. I can be anti-corporation all I want. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything because we're still going to have corporations. We're still going to have that issue we have to deal with. Right. I can want to go back to the good old days of the 90s when... You know, we have mom and pop shops, but we don't have that and we never will. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Well, first we have to stop living and letting other people's nostalgia dictate what we do. Mm-hmm. The nostalgia for the 60s, that's not mine. I don't ever remember the wonderful anti-racist days of the 60s. <laughs> I remember the 80s, 90s, and 2000s of hatred, racism, and killings. Right. So I don't know about that. Yeah. But we're going to have a generational shift of that nostalgia, that nostalgia-heavy voting group. That's going to be gone in the next 10 years. Right. And then we're left with the millennials and Gen Z that are more in tune with what we've been talking about. They are more in tune with the corporate messaging. They are more in tune with the white supremacy messaging and fighting against it. Mm-hmm. But they're not in that position yet to make a difference. Right. Because they're too young. Or, or we just had a millennial in office, right? Last year. Yeah. Or last, like, brand new. But right. that's going to be more and more. That's going to be every, like, that's going to be every year. Are we prepared as a nation to accept and support that new uh, generational shift? Or are we going to fight and then ultimately lose to corporate billionaires and oligarchy? Yeah, and just become a slave population. Right. You know? Well, oligarchy. Yeah. The, the rich own the government and the nation, and you are just there for wealth transfer. Yeah. Yeah, a slave nation. But a corporate slave nation. We can fight against it, but I don't think... I don't think we'll have more than one election cycle left. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Things have been... Things have started escalating so much faster with technology right. that things that would take a generation now take a, a, a day. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> a TikTok challenge, my God, that'll be massive <laughs> yeah. within a week. Yeah, that can kill people, you know, like, kill more well, than well, the so pandemic. We, so back in 1910, there was a sw- uh, goldfish challenge. <laughs> Swallowing a whole goldfish. And this was an actual legitimate thing. Killed a couple of students at a college. Wild. But we did have that. But that took, you know, a while. Right. Now we see it the next day. Right. Things have accelerated to a point that history is repeating itself over and over so fast. Yeah. 
I don't think there'll be much of a... Maybe two elections. <laughs> but I really don't see much more in that if we don't start now getting those untouchable, in, un, incorruptible politicians yeah. and leaders into support that generational shift. We're just going to have the same people in government keeping it just as corrupt as they always have. But how can you even get into government if our system is set up against like outsiders from coming in? That's true. So how, I don't know. So how do we get into that? I don't know the answer to that. Because you have to tie yourself to a party. Right. You're not going to win as Green Party or whatever right. third party is. Yeah. And that specifically goes against what George Washington wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was specific about that. About he even said exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, it's happening? <laughs> yeah. Good God. Yeah, but the reality is that won't happen. Not for another two to three generations. And we only have one election cycle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it, if only we had warnings for decades. Right, yeah. Mm. yeah. If only there was like mm. a big fucking meter on the top of the world that as it yeah. shrunk told you you were getting more and more fucked. If only. Uh, <laughs> and maybe I'm being pessimistic about it. Maybe it will change and there'll just be a massive voter turnaround in this next election cycle that just sets it completely on a different course. Yeah. It could happen. I don't have a lot of faith in it. Well, it, it, it's but, that there's so much propaganda against the truth now. Yeah. But, you know, when we look at uh, even, you know, you talked about those folks that are trying to be nostalgic for the 60s mm -hmm. um, and the 70s. If you look at corporate tax rates, then they were super fucking high, like 70 percent. And it like was, and now they're like zero to two percent. It was Reaganomics or the trickle down theory that yeah. immediately put us onto the path. Because ultra capitalism that we see today, that wasn't a thing until trickle down economics. Right. That is specifically what brought in the massive amount of corporations doing whatever they want. Right. I, because there was no taxing. I've never seen Wolf of Wall Street. Wasn't it kind of about kind that? Of, where, yeah. where they're, they're just making money out of nothing. Yeah. And it's just... Because regulations were gone. We became yeah. ultra-capitalist. And ultra-capitalism will always have a cannibalistic nature to it. Yeah. And we see that now. Shrinkflation. It's not shrinkflation. It's them saying, fuck you. Right. I'm going to give you less. You're going to give me more. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because I have investors. Right. And fuck you. Yeah. Like, I don't see how we can have, we, we have those conversations about inflation and everything like that. And, like, companies... Inflation's not real. It, well, well, companies will sit there and pump it up like that. And then you say, well, well you guys made record profits last year. What, what about that? And they're like, oh, no. No, no. Just worry, worry, about, worry about the number, the inflation number, you know. But don't worry not, about, don't worry about our profits. What we're seeing now is, like, with the, with the uh, uh, writer strike, yeah. what we see now is corporate investors and... and corporate billionaires being like, I don't give a shit if you know anymore. What are you going to do? Right. Literally, what are you going to do? You don't like the inflation on housing. What are you going to do? You can't do anything. And we see more of that. Like, And we see that with the writer's strike too, the mindset, the integrity of people telling us for decades, oh no, we care about our writers. We care about our writers. But the second they get a chance to save some money, mm -hmm. we're going to make sure that they lose their house and come crawling back to us and then we'll kick them in the teeth. Right. That was actually a set by corporate Hollywood. Jesus. So the integrity is being shown now that there's more accountability. Right. And the integrity is 
we don't fucking care about you. We want our money. Yeah. And we're gonna get it. And you can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we talked. I don't know if we talked about it last time, but like you know, Bud Light and their whole controversy with the yeah. the transfer. Like they don't give two fucks about that person. No, not at all. They did it to make money. They didn't make money. You know, it was, it was but, one. But people still beer. went and bought Anheuser Busch because they own like twenty some beers anyway. Like, what are you so, gonna do? Yeah. So like they didn't fucking care if they lost it. It was a gamble. Probably didn't Culture pay off for wars them. are only there to distract you from the ones stealing your money. Yeah. Stealing your life. Steal the ones that we are selling our children into slavery to. Yeah. It's pop politics. Yes. You know. I don't know if that's a word, but if it is, I don't know. I want to coin that. That is a vibe. (laughs) Yes, that is what it is. It is. So what do we do? Do we give up? I did give up for a little bit. Like, I was overwhelmed. I was sitting in my apartment just retired in dark places because I feel so overwhelmed. I'm mad about the world I'm leaving to my kids, and I can't do anything about it. And what do we do? Did humanity actually lose? And that's overwhelming in itself. Right. But I think we do have to fight. And even if the political party doesn't like that person or that that candidate because they know they're not going to make money off of them, Mm -hmm. how do we say who cares? Right. Because if we don't or we can't, then we have truly lost. Yeah. So are we as Americans, with our American heroism going to sit there and be like, okay, well, I guess we'll just be slaves now. Or do we say, fuck you, Democratic Party. I'm not making you money. I'm here for the people. Yeah. I don't know how we do that. Well, I mean, I Bernie, we can. Bernie Sanders tried to, and they actively worked against it. I know. You know, and like that, that caused Trump. Yes. <laughs> like if they would have just let that be a fucking, a clean primary between yeah. Hillary and Bernie, we wouldn't have had Trump. Well, it was all about money. Oh, 100%. And, and that's exactly... Again, we don't matter to our politicians. And I think getting back to a more positive role on that, because that right. is very depressing in itself. <laughs> I think that generational shift that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Again, Gen Z is incredibly aware oh, they are. of everything going on. Yeah, They are very aware of the previous generations showing them the utmost hatred for them. Right. They see what's going on. They're not in a position to do anything yet. And I do think that that generational shift has the very real potential of lifting us out of the ultra-capitalist right-wing utopia we have now. Utopia? For right-wing. <laughs> okay, bad words. I am not high enough. Uh, but if we, if we don't... Where was I going with that? Oh. Maybe you are I, high enough. Maybe I am. Uh, it, if we don't do anything, and I, I do think, that, uh, where is that? Now I'm back on track. All right. Gen Z, I do feel, has the ability to bring us out of that. Yeah. Into a better, more proud future for our kids. Yeah. We probably won't benefit from it. No, no. I, I know I won't. Right. But I'm not going to give up for my right. kids. Because yeah. that's selfish. Yeah. Right, that, that's and that's being a loser. Right, that, that's, that's, that's not, not being an American. That's not why we're here. No, it better not be. Um, but that is what we are trained to be as consumers. Is it's all about me right now? Yeah. What I what makes me feel good right now gives yeah. me a dopamine burst. Right. We're all like, a, it's all matter. We're all addicted to something and we don't even realize it. You know, yeah. like we're all under the influence of social media, constant mm. influences from everywhere, and like 
we always want that acceptance and you know like you said you get that little dopamine release mm-hmm. and just to, just to see a like on your post or something right and and we all anecdotally know that yeah we all know that and that actually is the same it hits the same receptors as heroin so you are actually giving your brain a dose of the same thing as heroin yeah it doesn't matter to your brain it's right. doing the exact same thing exactly yeah which is known about by social media platforms. It is a selling yeah. point in their oh. white papers for their investors. Yeah, yeah they have a, like huge departments devoted to mm-hmm. algorithm writing and stuff yes. like that to like target people. Yes. Yeah, marketing is a fucking wild science. It is. You know, when, when you talk about, because we said a little bit earlier, probably on one of our first takes that I fucked up, um, <laughs> we, uh, we, we talked about how People aren't meant to know everything there is to know about politics, right? Right, right. 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 Uh, our forefathers wanted people to vote trusted individuals in mm-hmm. that that would handle the business of running the country. Well, there's literally it, no way one person could know everything going on in their life. Right, and still be a farmer, right. you know, for 16 hours well, a day. Should even just do a 9 to 5 job. Yeah. Pop cannot possibly do that. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know... Our forefathers put this in place for mm-hmm. people to be folks, that, and they didn't put it in place for it to be a career money-making venture either. No, I, I believe, if I'm not wrong, I do think that was actually talked about too. Why there was, why you were given good pay, so you're not corrupted because right. you have money, right? And then you go back to your life right. afterwards. Yep, you serve. I believe that was and you, actually something and mentioned. Like a lot of the presidents, like they would have to pay for all their own state dinners and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so they would leave actually poorer than what they went in. Right, because it wasn't about the money. Right. And then we, you know, we had this shift where now career politicians step in and, you know, once you're in there, you know, Do you know to, who made to sure we on the career, the career politicians stayed career? The ones in government right now. Right. Mitch McConnell, what, 50 years? He is the corrupted heart of the government. Yeah. Like, and people like him. These are the ones that did this to us. Right. But you're right. It was not a... It was specifically something that the Founding Fathers thought of. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think like we should really be pushing for term limits and actually yes. up- update you know, Article 1 there and actually mm-hmm. say, like... You know, not just be 25 years old, but like you be 25 years old with some like college, you know, have a college degree. I agree because you know, set yeah. some standards for them. Um, yeah, and then you know, because like this, we're not farmers in the 1700s anymore. Right. Like, like we're an educated population. But if we don't keep it evolving, then I can get in power and stay. In power. Yeah, and just stay. Yeah, and we see that. Yeah, but then, th- then, you know, cut their term limits and, and like, actually, mm-hmm. like, have... So, what I was thinking is, like, House of Reps still have, like, a 16 to 20-year career. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could ride it out. Do, you know, if you're in the Senate, you know, you can do, like, up to 24. And then, like, maybe a combined 40 years for those two. Right. You know, and then you're out. Also with... What we also need is... And I, I think I everybody agree on this. Is ethics. Like, ethical guidelines yeah. that are hard in stone i mean i mean I, everybody I, defines their own ethics though like, like the, the morals are so corrupt now right. that, that i mean you look at our chief justice not chief justice uh, a supreme court justice taking millions of dollars in trips from a mega donor and, you know and saying like i didn't think that was a bad thing well he knew it 
hundred percent. But he fucking but thinks everybody's stupid enough to believe that bullshit. But he doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's still in yeah, power. He's, he's not leaving. Yeah. He doesn't have to. And I, I need to stay positive because it's very hard to see a positive way out of all this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'm at the point where I want to say humanity has completely lost. Yeah. But yeah. the Supreme Court is a very big tell that we probably lost because there's nothing happening. Right. Like We're just, imagine, going, back. We're just imagine, going backwards. I imagine if you had a top secret clearance. Well, you've had security clearances. I have a top secret clearance. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Imagine if you got caught uh, drunk driving. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? Immediately. SIF uh, is what it's called. Yeah. The security investigation. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. yeah. And yet we have Supreme... Making laws that will affect people's lives, that will essentially sign the deaths of people. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. I got millions. I got paid. Yeah. Fuck you, America. Well, and, and like and nothing's happening. So nobody's even raising bells anymore. But Clarence Thomas didn't say shit for like ten years on the court. Do you ever know that? Yeah. Because he he never said it. And like now so this is a grift. Well, well, and now this stuff's caught. It's like no shit. You don't need to ask questions if you're being paid to told say what to, you know be told what to say. You know. So here's the thing: uh, trauma isn't always created by what happens. Sometimes it's created by what doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and by staying quiet. He was just as powerful as saying, I agree with you. Yeah. Because now he just has plausible deniability. It was my fault that I fucked America. Right. But you still did. Right. Your actions and your lack of actions still did. Lying by omission still lying. Oh, absolutely. Unless you're a Supreme Court justice, and then you get to sell out your entire country and their future. Yeah. Yeah. For which right is, now, I mean, Supreme Court is arguably the most important branch because yeah. they, they they have that long term continuity and stability in government, right? Well, federal and, judges, period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so, yeah. the rule of the land, like how people can vote, the you know, settling on maps and things like that, like like they are because once they're on, they're for they're for life. So like they shouldn't have to. They're not focused on reelections and things like that, right? But they are focused on their next position. <laughs> It's the long-term plan to move into an oligarchy. Remember when I said no, Hitler? Geez, I think we we're close, really close. Well, to no, well, yeah, we are really close. Yeah, to that. but it's been decades in planning. Mm-hmm. The guy that uh, Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas, is a, a benefactor, the billionaire. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing that for decades. All right. Yeah, he's going to become the owner of America, and he set it up decades ago to make that happen. Mm. Now his kids will be. The owners of America, and you will be a slave force to them. What was that guy's name? I don't even know who that was. I can't remember. I don't remember either. Yeah, yeah. He's not in charge yet, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, and I, but that—that that was the plan. That was the very. Yeah. It was the long, the long-term chess game. Right. Where do we go from there? I don't want to believe it's going to turn into a violent civil war, like you know. Groups call for right. That wouldn't solve anything. I really don't think we're there. I don't either. Honestly, the more I see with Trump uh, and his allies, just kind of, like his supporters, kind of like not doing anything. Right. The more I'm pretty sure they're all just keyboard warriors. Yeah. That play airsoft and think they know what a gun is. <laughs> right. Well, that's what my brother does. He's like, oh, I'm into airsoft. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna be in the military, and when there's a civil war, I'm gonna, you know, I know airsoft. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. No airsoft. <laughs> You play airsoft. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but that mentality. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking more like that's kind of what they are. The, the LARPers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're just LARPing real Nazis. They're not. They're not actually going to do. So it gives me hope that, yeah, the more the less I see them actually doing anything, the more I'm hopeful that it's just words. Yeah. But it doesn't solve the problem. I think some places they're getting kind of pushed back into the background. They are, and it's been good to see. But, what, I mean, did you see recently in Florida, like just outside Disney, yeah. where you had like 50-some, you know, masked Nazis, yeah. you know, protesting against Disney still? And, which blows my mind, because Disney is such a huge GOP supporter. I know. And, like, they're they just, like... They gave a lot of money. Just fucking biting the hand that fed them, you know, for and so many years. Because, well, because DeSantis is a tiny little baby boy. Yeah. He has no spine. They... Pushed back. A, they didn't even do anything. They said, "We don't support it. We don't support your Don't Say Gay Bill Act." Right. That's all they did. Yeah. Yeah. And as that's all this is about. Right. Oh, 100 percent. He's just a whiny little child. Unfortunately, yeah. so is Hitler. It's it's really scary how close somebody like that could be to being, you know, in the discussion to be a president. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, not, but I mean, I remember saying the same thing when Trump, you know, came down the yeah, staircase. And, like, I remember saying, like, because there was a bunch of Republican candidates at the time, right? And I was like, the whole thing's a fucking circus. He's just the top clown right now. And I thought they were going to fucking get rid of him and, they, and vote him out. And they, they had a chance. Yeah. But, like, but all these other people, like, I mean, even, you know, Jeb Bush was probably the most viable. But Trump just I mean, played, yeah. played to the... Well, they got too comfortable in their complacency. In, in being actual candidates, right? They just got used to being like, I'm going to be voted in. So, well, I think they were just waiting for Trump to like, because he did so many ridiculous things on. Like, they were That's just waiting true. for him you know, to I, like I do fall off. You know, like when he was making fun of the reporter, the handicapped reporter, yeah. and shit like that. Like, but you know, that gave the support we saw for him was just the people that were always like that. Yeah, and just he allowed that to be normalized, right, and accepted. And now we have people actually up there on stage in front of the nation spouting white supremacy lines because it's acceptable now. Yeah, I think it's strange how, because like, you know, when I was young, I made stupid jokes about, you know, mental like handicapped people, we, we you and, know, dropped yeah. plenty of F-bombs in my career. But uh, you get to a point where you're like, that's kind of a dickish thing to say yeah. to people, you know, and like you kind of mature and evolve. And it's wild to me that he did something like that one as a seventy-year-old. No, but the, that. but then people granddad, right? Then but people still flocked to him afterwards. So it wasn't just a seventy-year-old acting like a fool up there. He had millions of people back him up with that. Yes, you know, like they they said that that was okay by voting for him, and it just it, it's going to keep feeding on itself until good Republicans step up and say no this is how things should be because yes. like, like I don't like Mitt Romney I think his business practices either. were shit but like the way that he like robbed people but um but he has been vocal-ish against Trump exactly to more of an extent than most right and, and we just need more people like him because I mean I think he's still a good politician I just don't agree with a lot of his stances and yeah I, you know, he was always the kind for me that was just like I can handle him. Yeah, he's a fucking Republican, yeah. but okay. <laughs> he had more empathy 
And I think that's what we're well, missing is empathy and mutual support. Well, he had, he had a lot more of that. He had enough intelligence to like listen that's to his it. people when he was a governor of Massachusetts and get that universal health care because it worked for mm-hmm. their their system right. you, you know like what was proposed made sense let's do this you, well, you know? he has a business degree he does yeah he, so yeah he was like one sense. of those venture business yeah. capitalists like where, where like he would like use a company to get a loan against the company and then break it up and ah. make billions and but that was the screw business. everybody but yeah but economics yeah, yeah. That, that, that was the definition of economics there you know it just was make your buck and screw everybody else over because it's about personal capitalism yeah Yeah, my brother, he like, he's a big fan of the Reaganomics and the trickle down, and like, how I, we have forty years of proof that it doesn't work. In fact, like, it makes it worse. That's what I started saying. I was like, nope, this isn't going to be a good conversation. Where is he getting his data from? But fucking how I, in yeah. today's world do you look at it and say, yeah, it could still work? Yeah, yeah. The, the, we have decades of those, proof those that billionaires. Any day now, they're going to trickle down right. some money to me. <laughs> well, it's all about self-capitalism of well I could be that way someday by doing the same thing it, it's already over that, he, that's over yeah he that has, was he has a definitely an entrepreneur spirit where like he wants to he does a ton of like in, independent you know working and stuff like that mm-hmm. and does you know good for himself but yeah it's a it, it's yeah it's a funny mindset it is know? and I get it I was there at one point thinking oh one day I'll be super rich by working hard and you know I, I can make it but then once you start getting I have a business degree too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've been through all that. And after you start looking at how things are run, how like how you are so far behind the curve just by being born in the U.S. for being a billionaire, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So to constantly make decisions and, and take actions based on the fact that you might one day be there, that's stupid. It will never happen. Right. And in doing so, you're actively making it worse for you. Right. Yeah, harder for future generations. Yeah. Because that's what everybody wants to do, really, is build that generational wealth. And But as long as they benefit from it right now. Right. And, you know, so they vote against their own self-interest. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the things, especially with Gen Z, them being... Well, yeah, it's Gen Z, but when that generational shift happens, mm-hmm. we're going to see more changes that have that in mind because they're very again very aware of what's going on so they'll be open to making those changes to tax billionaires make sure corporations actually pay tax right make sure people making I don't know 200 billion dollars in five years should probably pay more than zero right when you're paying most of my paycheck right I think my effective tax rate is around 15% right yeah you know which is Still really fucking low compared to, like, like, like so like Germany has great social mm-hmm. health care, like clean cities, like, like they have great social programs that help them through like, you know the uh, recession and stuff like right. that. Um, it's much higher taxes. Yeah, but it's around like forty percent. I think just under, which is a lot. But then if you look at how much we're paying now out of pocket. Right. When you look at your paycheck and stuff like that, money getting taken out of your paycheck. So it's before you even see it, you know, for medical expenses. Correct. Or they don't pay you as much because they're paying for medical and shit like that. But that was the whole thing, too, that got most things privatized in the U.S. And why we also have a very strong, well, not strong, but very active anti-union force is because they want to see more in their paycheck every month. Mm Mm-hmm. 
instead of investing that into, yeah, paying 40% of my paycheck now, but I don't have to go bankrupt for cancer. Right. Or my kid breaks their yeah. leg. Yeah. I don't have to go bankrupt. Right. And lose my house. Yeah, diabetes isn't going to, you know, right. kill you off. And so we're just socially programmed at the moment to want that bigger check right now mm -hmm. and we'll deal with the issues when they happen because it'll never happen to me. They happen right. to others, not me. Yeah. And then once you've had cancer once, it can't happen twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. You're going to lose your house and everything you right, own yeah. yeah, so from point. that first time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of deprogramming decades of ultra-capitalist messaging. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mentioned it earlier, like, I've always thought one of our biggest, like, uh, mistakes as a nation is when we started saying, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics. Right. Because we stopped being comfortable being uncomfortable. When you, you start know. siloing off people, you can control them. You can control the message, even when oh, you're right. telling two people the exact same thing, yeah. you already know the message oh, each yeah. one's getting. The standard, like, abusive relationship thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, know? it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's gaslighting. Yeah. 101. But that's what we were allowed to happen by not talking. Uh, same thing with like uh, in businesses when you're told not to talk about your paycheck or right. how much you make. Yeah, and there's yeah, laws, well, that's illegal. Yeah, there's you're, laws saying that you can do that. But the know? reason it's prohibited is because if I know you make more than me, I'm going to ask for more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you start knowing how much you're worth, and mm -hmm. you're you're a hassle to the corporation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it's. I know a lot of people, like in young people too, they're still uncomfortable talking about money and finances with their jobs and Yeah. Like coming from the military where like I was an E eight. You knew exactly how much money I made. Right. You know, like I don't care like about money. Exactly. Like clearly what we do is not for the money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I I I agree with you a hundred percent. We needed to not have that movement of tolerance, which was nothing more than don't ask me about my issues because I you're going to hurt my feelings mm -hmm. and you need to be tolerant of me. That movement, 90s, mid-90s to late-90s, at least when I was aware of it being pushed a lot, was, uh, was detrimental to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very open with everything about, like I said, you want to see my Capital One account? <laughs> I don't even want to look at it, but go ahead. What, uh, what was your job when you were in the Air Force? I was a uh, aerospace medical technician, um, but I was ER and then specialized in ICU critical care and got my SEI in that and then taught ICU and critical care for years and then moved to EMT instructing. Okay. Uh, and, and so how long were you in for? Uh, 14, a little over 14 years. You said you got medically retired? Yeah. I had PTSD and it was causing a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of glad I, I took the retirement instead of worked on it in the military because there's they didn't know what they were doing. Well, and, and there, there's still a stigma. Like There's still a big it, stigma. Yeah, there's going to be a point where somebody's going to look at you like, hey, you're not pulling your weight. Cause I got that a lot. Yeah. And I was like, you know... It was a vulnerable time for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I did get a lot of that, and that did influence me to leave early, too. Yeah. Like, take that early retirement they offered, because I was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool opportunity that they gave some people there. It was. And because I was an instructor, I was no longer deployable anyways. 
Hmm. Um, because of PTSD, I couldn't go back to combat yeah. or anything. So, so what do you do now to like help with your PTSD? That you know, uh, weed. <laughs> Have a link. <laughs> no, so I haven't had issues with PTSD for a while. No, um, I went through uh, prolonged exposure therapy. Okay, what, what is that? That is where. Uh, it was inpatient, and I made sure it was inpatient because there's a very high chance of committing suicide during it. Well, sure. You are you go through with a therapist every day, and, and it's very structured to bring up each issue you're having an issue with, and going into depth with it over and over and over and over again, hmm. bringing up that trauma and right. becoming essentially desensitized. That's to it. a That'd be a tough pamphlet to sign up for. You know, like somebody hands you your pamphlet and says, like, hey, all your deepest, darkest fears, let's fucking dive in. Oh, repeatedly. And then you're going to record it and write it down. Yeah. Every day for a month and a half. Jesus. It was rough. Yeah. So I went through that um, in 2015. Uh, It helped a lot. It was insanely difficult. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I was impatient because suicide was a real issue. Which you need that's it's a good thing. You want that that support kind of bring it up, yeah. Yeah, you want that support. So I'm very open about that. It was one of the best things I did. Yeah. Uh and then Did Tricare pay for that? Yes. Cool. Because it was like fifty, sixty thousand. Oh shit. (laughs) It was it was nice. (laughs) Thank God. Uh then I, I retired and went through a divorce, pretty brutal divorce, and a lot of issues with that. So my PTSD therapy kind of took a back seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a couple of years ago, I started going back into therapy and started dealing with a lot of the issues. Uh, and that has really helped me over the last couple of years to get to a point where I can handle it and not have issues as much. Um, anxiety every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Depression's a big thing, but I don't know if that's as much PTSD as just I'm unemployed and <laughs> need a job. Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but then I've also, after retirement, it's nice because I was able to try a bunch of different drugs and substances that would help, like weed right. or uh, LSD, which I am not <laughs> in the specific uh, uh, time frames and using it appropriately. LSD is amazing. Yeah. Especially for therapy. Yeah. Um, so that being out of the military helped with that. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, I'm on ketamine treatments now too uh, which it's daily microdose of ketamine and that has really helped me go from a dark place with PTSD where I'm isolating and spiraling constantly and constantly worrying about everything going on that I can't do anything about and it's able to all of that journey of getting to where I'm at now where I can handle dealing with situations and actively stopping myself from spiraling mm-hmm. it, 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 you can actually like recognize and kind of step back and mm-hmm. like yeah. de-escalate your temper like yes that, well, not even temper ridge. just even inside my own my own head like, okay when you're going down a rabbit hole of oh I got bills oh well, that means I got this oh shit well now that bills do oh we don't have the money for that and yeah crap well now my tires kind of going flat can I even afford like when you start spiraling on right. that yeah you can't stop yourself I have been able to recently, uh, more recently with the ketamine, able to catch that, stop it, and reframe it, and use those tools that you've been given through therapy, and use those tools you've learned to calm your mental space, and I'm actually able to use it. Mm-hmm. 
that's been a huge change, a huge turnaround. Yeah, I think it's been a, quite an injustice that for 40 years we haven't been able to medically research you know some of these psychedelics that were yeah. you know when LSD was first uh, you know invented the dude it, like it was huge on the psych or on the psychologist or psychiatrist you know scene where they were they were taking themselves yeah, yeah they were it experimenting with it and like because I mean just the way that you know it opens and your I mind I can verify and, when you have LSD and a problem you're trying to solve mm-hmm. You will fucking solve it. <laughs> you, you will get there. You'll just see it from all the angles. And Every be like, oh, angle there it is. at once. It is insane. But it's amazing. Yeah. Especially oh. when you go in with a purpose on what you're doing with it. Yeah, yeah the intent. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the after effects, you know, it's not alcohol where, like, you have to... I, right. I get drunk and, like, I can't do shit for three days. Yeah. You, you know, so... LSD will give you a bit of a mind fog for, like, two days. Depending on how much you take, because yeah. it is uh, it, it's using your brain power a lot. Yeah, so your brain kind of gets tired. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. But you're right; you don't have the debilitating effects of alcohol afterwards. You're not puking. You're not physically sick. Right? Can't eat. Right. Yeah. I, I haven't touched alcohol in months. I can I'll have it like an old fashioned every once in a while, but I do. Yeah, I have a bottle just, of Jameson, but I, I don't. Drink. Much. Yeah, and like if somebody's over and they want to like drink a glass, I'll drink a glass. But yeah, it's just not really on the agenda to feel like shit for three days. <laughs> exactly. But no, I it is criminally criminally negligent that we for decades have not been allowed allowed to use these incredible drugs for what they were meant to do right. to alter your consciousness to let you have better introspection yeah. on yourself. Yeah, it's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, self improvement like only happens if you take the time to look inside and you know find right find the reasons why you're doing things and the decisions you're making, like what's driving these things. And for a lot of us vets, that is tough to do. Oh, it's yeah. very tough because not only we're we dealing with the trauma of the military and all the stuff we went through, but then also the regimented mindset yeah. that's very strictly set after years of doing it. Right. It can be very difficult to. Uh, begin introspection mm-hmm. and all I can say to anybody that's struggling with that is to look into ketamine treatments how did you get turned on to it uh Facebook ads yeah yeah surprising the algorithm knows you yeah it does <laughs> it really does and I needed it at the time um but no, it's, uh, there's a bunch of different companies that do different types of ketamine treatments. Yeah. It's daily microdosing. It's mm-hmm. 100% legal. You go through a doctor that prescribes it. Mm-hmm. You actually have meetings with them. And it's a microdose, so it's a very low dose that you're not going to kill yourself well, on. When you say doctor, um, psychiatrist? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 100% legal, and it's done correctly, uh, as long as you get one of the legitimate ones. Now, do these doctors ever do... Because you say it's microdosing. Do they ever do a, a bigger dose, like under supervision or anything like that? You can. So some of the programs... It actually brings up one of the things I was excited to share, too. If you research them, a couple of the programs will do like a once-every-week dose where you have to have someone, a safety person, sitting there with Interesting. you. You have to be taking your blood pressure. Yeah. It's a higher dose. You yeah. will go into a massive K-hole. Yeah. Uh, you'll get that full... 
trip with it. And yeah. You will be incapacitated for two hours. Yeah, my uh, my commander one time he broke his ankle and they put him on ketamine and he said he felt that that hole where you just fold in on uh-huh. yourself and just sink. Yeah, and he's he didn't like it. He's like, oof, he's like I, I don't I, like using big doses of it. The, yeah. the uh, program I use uh, has a very small dose every day. So yeah, you're gonna feel a little high and like cloud nine for like 30 minutes. Yeah. But that's also the time when you're able to set your intent and move along those positive neural pathways and strengthen them. But you're able to do that without like going completely just out of it. Yeah. Because you're not stoned or zonked out. You're just kind of high, but allows you to move forward. Yeah. And that's an everyday program. Uh, you take one of the doses every day. They up it as you need. If you need to, you can lower it. Uh, max you can do is 120 milligrams a day. That's a sublingual thing, so it melts slowly. Hmm. $129 a month. And my life had, in the month, two months of taking it, has been drastically 180 degree turnaround. Well, I mean, like you said, like it kind of made you reach out and like start like it did, find, yeah. find, find find your intent and like set a path forward and like reach, yeah, out, reach time, out for like minded individuals. Yes, and I, I was at the time it, it, what, like two weeks ago. Yeah, about that. About two weeks ago, I was, it was in a dark place. I was overwhelmed. All the shit that I've talked about here, that was all going through my mind. Mm-hmm. My kids don't have a future anymore. They do, and it's going to be sold off to Bezos for housing. Right. Like I. I was in a dark place, and I had been on the ketamine for a month, and I was at a place where I could feel that I could, you know, think positively on these issues. Okay. Took a bunch of LSD, cried for eight hours, hit a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. and then realized that yeah, I need I need to reach out and talk to people. Right. I, it got me out of that isolation right. that I was absolutely in, that most of us have been in at some point. Right. And it got me out of that and able to get out of that and move forward and actually make that step. And it's been it's, it's been life-saving. Yeah, it's such a hard step to make at any point. Even asking for the therapy to get go into a ketamine treatment. Like, right. That had to have been a struggle to... It was. To, to make that leap. It was. And I researched it for like a month. And during the month, I could... I, during that time researching, I was like, something has to change. My I'm... It was dark enough to where I was like, I can't go on like this anymore. Yeah. Either something changes or I'm not going to go on with this. Right. And so, yeah, it was scary. And I was worried, too. Like, you know, what what are people going to think if they find out on ketamine? Mm-hmm. What are my doctors going to think? Do I have to hide it from my psychiatrist? Right. And I made that leap. And immediately that put me on the mindset, I don't fucking care who knows. This is amazing. Right. This is life-saving. Yeah. This literally saved my life. Yeah, people need to know. People need to know. <laughs> right. And so I had a, uh, an appointment with my psychiatrist like a day or two later. And I was like, look, this is what I'm on. Yeah. You want a testimonial? Let's do some research papers because this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Hmm. And I am a huge advocate of ketamine treatment. Yeah, I got some friends that should probably look into that too because they, uh, they escalate very quickly. <laughs> and, and you do. You do. And you get, yeah. I've been there. I know. Yeah. And I can tell you, for me, the ketamine was just like lifting out from that being buried under all the dark thoughts and emotions and feelings. Yeah. You just feel buried on a daily basis. And 
I could feel myself every day getting further and further unburied. The point now, I don't feel that buried. I feel overwhelmed if I let myself. I feel angry if I let myself, but I'm not buried under that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that to me was a huge, huge uh, positive. And I'll always shout that from the rooftops. Yeah, I think once uh, you can, you learn to see perspective like that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you change your perspective to. Uh, there's a thing in uh, you said your business guy, um, asset based management. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the analogy I always like to use is, you know, when, when you're climbing Pikes Peak and, and you're walking up there, and you you don't you're just looking ahead and like you're exhausted and every step hurts and you don't know what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like you can take a break. You can turn around and look, and you can see how far you've already come, yeah. and and use know that you're you were that strong to get right here. You're strong enough to get up to the top, it, you know, and, and kind of yes. use use those things that you've built, those strengths that you've built up along the way, to get you the rest of the way. That is perfectly said because that is exact. That's exactly what I felt. That journey with Academy. Yeah. That exact thing. I could look back and, and look and say something 10 years ago or something recently in my divorce a couple years ago that I promised I would learn from. Mm-hmm. I won't make that mistake again and probably make the mistake again because <laughs> I would never go back and look at it because right. I didn't want to bring up that trauma again. Right. But like you said, looking back on how far you've come, I looked at it with the ketamine. I was able to look at it and say, yeah, that hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to hurt again to think about, yep. but I'm on the other side. Right. So I can look at it and get the message from yeah. it. Yeah. But I've never been able to do that until I was on ketamine, hmm. on the treatment for it. And yeah. It was life-changing, just that perspective. Right. And that whole explanation was just, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, I think, uh, I think that's a good place to stop right now. Okay. Um... Thanks for coming out and doing this again. Yeah, uh, and um, I would love to talk more about mental health awareness stuff. Yeah. I've always been big on that, even yeah. as a firefighter after I got out. I got made fun of because I'd be like, yeah, I go to therapy. Yeah, I'm yeah. on this medication. Right. You know what, buddy? So should you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to suck on a pistol tonight. You know? Right. <laughs> like, And yet I'm going over to pick one up from you so you don't. Right. You need help. Right, yeah. And I would get made fun of. And at the end of my tenure as a firefighter, Four of the young guys were going to therapy. Good. Three of them would, would, had no problems crying on scene, which sometimes you need. You know, you're, yeah, you're dealing with you, some... you sometimes need to just cry. Yeah. And I will always be a big advocate of that, no matter how many times I get called a pussy by the chief. <laughs> I will still always say, yes, I'm going to therapy, and yes, I take drugs for the issues I have. <laughs> so I would love to... Any veteran, that, any anybody that has issues, please... I would love to talk to them about that because there is life on the other side and there is light under that buried darkness of our own mind. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good message, brother. I appreciate you coming out here. I appreciate you having me out here. All right, a little break there. So there you have it. You know, that that was Gabe's story. Uh, Thank you, Gabe, so much for being so honest and open about, you know, where you came from and, you know, the experiences you've had. Uh, it's inspirational whenever you get anybody that has kind of seen the dark side of, 
a lot of you know the, the humanity that we have to deal with and uh when they're honest about it it's good to see so thank you gabe um i actually look forward to gabe joining me more on this podcast as a more of a po- co-host too uh we'll be trying to cut things every week uh, it'd be nice to have somebody here and bounce ideas off of and collaborate with so thanks again for reaching out uh and it's just that easy folks if you want to get involved reach out on our website uh, epccpv.org and just sign up raise your hand and see what you can do i mean we, we have a lot of work that's going to be going on uh we're, we're trying to push some legislation things like that so let's uh let's start pooling our resources and start being more proactive with things but until then here is a quick word from our sponsor uh, the All Things Military and Veteran podcast is proudly sponsored by Native Roots Cannabis Company, Colorado's leading locally grown and owned dispensary chain. Native Roots has been our largest donor since we were founded four years ago, and we thank them for their support. They have 20 locations in Colorado, and Native Roots is ready to educate and serve recreational and medicinal patients alike. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the All Things Military and Veteran podcast. I hope you enjoy these types of stories. Uh, If you have a story to tell, please reach out. Uh, I'm here to listen. So reach out at info at epccpv.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Until then, thank you for listening. Hope you're having fun and stay safe.